On Thanksgiving Day a few years ago, I decided that I was going to go Black Friday shopping. And I'd been Black Friday shopping before. I'd gone with my wife, Heather, but I'd never gone Black Friday shopping by myself. But there's a specific gift that Heather wanted. She wanted a new digital camera. And Best Buy was having a sale on it. It was going to be one of their doorbuster deals. So you had to be there at midnight in order to get that camera at that price. So I decided since that's what Heather wanted, that's what I was going to do. I was going to go to Best Buy and wait in line and I was going to get this camera. And so after Thanksgiving dinner, we got the kids in bed and I drove down the Best Buy and it was crazy. The line was wrapped all the way down the sidewalk uh, around the back of the building. And so I parked and I hopped in line and I knew I was in for a long night. And thank goodness it was one of those Thanksgiving days that it wasn't freezing cold. It was cold enough, but it wasn't freezing cold. And so I hop in line and I'm waiting and have a a few awkward experiences while I'm in line. While I'm waiting there, there's a, a lady that gets in line behind me and she is totally prepared. This was not her first time Black Friday shopping. She was 100% prepared. She had this huge duffel bag of stuff to to eat, to snack on, things for her to do to keep her warm. And she also had this little camping chair that she could sit in, which was a really good idea. The problem with that is every time we moved in line, she put it like directly behind me so that her knees when she sat down were almost touching the back of my leg. And so it was really super awkward. And we had these awkward bumps into each other. And every time that the line moved forward, I thought, okay, this time she's going to leave a little bit more space and we're not going to have this awkwardness anymore. Every single time she put that chair right behind me. So a few awkward moments. The guys in front of me appeared to be college age. Uh, They had obviously um, been drinking that night, and they were loud and obnoxious. They were passing around a flask while we were standing there in line. And this is Black Friday, so there's cops everywhere because that's what they do on Black Friday. And so they're walking up and down the line. I'm thinking, oh, man, this is going to be bad. This is not going to end well. Uh, And at one point, the guy in front of them got tired of them being loud and obnoxious, turned around and said something. Then there's words going back and forth. And I'm like, this is, this is, this is going to be bad. Thankfully, it didn't get any worse and everything kind of calmed down. I finally get to the front of the line. I finally get to go into Best Buy and I see the display with a camera that I want to get. Thankfully, there's some cameras left. They're not all out. So successful trip. I grab the camera. I buy it. I have my present for Heather. And so a, a little bit later, about a week before Christmas, I needed to go back to Best Buy for something else. I needed to get something different. So I walk in, I'm looking around, I'm looking for the item I need, and then out of my eye, uh, my eye catches this display. And this display of the same camera that I bought Heather at the same exact price. That they told me that I was not going to be able to do. They told me I was not going to be able to get that camera for that price unless I was there at midnight on Thanksgiving night. And so it felt like such a huge waste of time because I could have just waited. I could have waited till a week before Christmas, which is typically what I do, and to get Heather's Christmas gift. But instead, I wasted those hours, and I was up till the middle of the night. And I think we've probably all experienced something like that, where we feel like we've just wasted our time. Something was a huge waste of time. And why does that bother us? Why, why do we feel like things waste our time? Well, I think it's because that we all know how fast 
time passes. Growing up, I can remember adults talking about how time, uh, how fast time would go by. And, but as a kid, it felt like time was going in slow motion. It felt like everything was going in slow motion. But now that I'm an adult, now that I have a family, now that uh, I have a career in ministry and responsibilities, time really does fly by and it gets faster and faster the older you get. And I'm not looking forward to it getting any faster. But in our culture today, we are busier than we have ever been. We work longer hours. We're able to travel more, so we're out doing more things. Our families are extremely busy, especially with our kids' activities. We have responsibilities at home like housework and yard work and paying the bills. And we try to fit in time with friends and family. And oh yeah, we should probably try to make it to church every once in a while too. Our lives are very complex with more and more things being added to our to-do lists on a regular basis. But in contrast to that, the funny thing is, is what we are actually able to find time to do. Because we do make time for some things, right? I mean, we all have 24 hours a day, and we spend them doing something. And I think a lot of us, we walk around in life with this feeling of not having enough time. We feel like we're not as productive as we would like to be. We look at other people, and maybe it seems as though they accomplish more than we do, and we wonder why. And I think there are seasons in life when that just happens. Sometimes everything just hits all at once, and we're just busy, and we just have to work to get through to the other side of that. However, I also believe that there are times when our lack of time, when our busyness, our inability to get things done, isn't a result of not actually having enough time. It's a result of not being good stewards of our time. And so today what we're going to do, besides spending time in God's word, is we're also going to be looking um, at some statistics about how we spend our time in our culture, especially in the area of media usage and social media. And so the other thing I want to encourage you with today, we've been in this face-to-Facebook series. We've been talking about social media, and maybe you think, you know, I'm not on social media all that often. I I don't even have Facebook. I'm not on social media at all. I want to encourage you with a couple things this morning. First of all, don't check out on us. Don't assume that this isn't for you this morning. And I say that for a couple of reasons. One, maybe you have children or grandchildren or friends and family who are on social media, and maybe they're spending a lot of time on social media. So maybe you'll hear something this morning that would help them out a little bit. Also, too, if it's not social media, maybe there's something in your life, something that's eating up your time, something that's taking a lot of your time that you could be putting towards something else that may be a little bit more effective use of the time that you're spending. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12 says this, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. So there are things in life that they're not against the law. They're not bad for us to do. They're not negative things for us to do. Maybe they don't go against God's word. They're not sin. But the question is, are they helpful? And are they becoming something that dominates our time? I think sometimes with social media, that's the case. When there's a break in the action in our day, our hand automatically goes in our pocket. We pull out our phone and we hop on Facebook. And I think when something becomes second nature like that, maybe it does start to dominate our lives a little bit. And we can use the excuse that our phones and apps and social media keeps us connected to people, and that's not entirely untrue. We can say that we have Bible apps and other Bible study tools on our phones, 
But is that really the majority of what we're spending our time online doing, or are we cruising Facebook and YouTube? We can say that time spent on social media isn't harming anyone, but who is it serving? The question we all need to answer is this. Is our smartphone, our apps, our social media sites making us a better follower of Christ? Is the time that we spend on social media drawing us closer to Jesus? Is it helping us share our faith and to love our neighbor? And if the answer to these questions is no, then I think we have a pretty good idea of what we may be able to take away from our time together this morning. But before we continue, let me say this. I'm not against social media. I'm on social media. I have a Facebook account. I also have Instagram and Twitter, although I don't use them very often. Usually I use Facebook. So I'm not against social media. Our church is not against social media. Our church has Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and YouTube and a website and a church app that everyone's going to download this afternoon, right? So we have all of those things. And these are powerful tools that can be used in really positive ways. But the important thing is that we need to take an honest look at ourselves and the time that we spend on these apps, or just online in general for that matter, and see if it's all positive and productive time, or if there's time that we need to cut out and refocus on something else that's a little more worthwhile. So this morning we're going to be looking at a story from Jesus' life, and it's going to be from Mark chapter 1. If you brought your Bibles with you this morning, I want to encourage you to take those out and go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 1. In this passage, what we're going to see is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And so to kind of set the stage for you a little bit, earlier in the chapter, in Mark 1, uh, we see Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist. After that, he goes out into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, and he's tempted by Satan. And that's one of the reasons, or one of the ways that we know that Jesus lived a fully human life, because he was tempted by Satan just as we are every single day. And after he comes back uh, from the wilderness, in verse 15 of Mark 1, Jesus says this, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. In the moment that Jesus says these words, his ministry has now officially begun. So let's start reading in Mark chapter 1, verse 16. It says, Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called to them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. So as soon as Jesus starts his ministry, we see him get right to work. As he is walking and traveling, he starts recruiting his disciples. He's not wasting any time. He's not spending time doing things that aren't going to push his mission forward. He is laser focused on the mission and he knows that his disciples are going to play a big role both while he's on earth and after. Jesus knew he wasn't going to have the luxury of a long life or a long ministry. He knew that he needed to get to work and not waste any time. Let's continue reading in verse 21. It says, And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. For he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? 
Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. Now, I love how in verse 21, it says immediately on the Sabbath. That says something about time, doesn't it? There was no messing around. There was no wasting time. This was once again showing that Jesus was going to get work done. He understands the importance of time and that he doesn't have any to waste. One of the main things that he's going to do during his ministry is teach. So he knows he needs to get to it right away. Now, how often in our lives do you think that the word immediately can be used to describe the urgency in which we treat our mission and calling as believers? Would anyone say that of us? Would anyone say that of you or of me? That he immediately began telling his friend at work about Jesus? Or would anyone say that she immediately began praying for her children? Or he immediately began discipling his children? Or she immediately reached out to her friend who was struggling. Or he immediately began serving in that ministry at church. Would anyone think that we have any sense of urgency at all for the mission that we have been given as believers? Well, depending on how you may answer those questions about your own life, these statistics that I'm about to share with you, they may be a little bit shocking. Uh, in a study put together by a website called Media Kicks, and they use several other sources as well, they developed these statistics for our daily social media usage. Um, and now here's what they did. Um, they took averages over several different social media apps. So these are meant to be averages. They're generaliza generalizations. They may not be accurate for every single person. That's what they're meant to be, is averages. Um, and it also takes into account, like I said, different social media apps. So for you, maybe you only have Facebook and you don't have these other ones that it's mentioning. So maybe your Facebook, the time you spend on Facebook is a little more than they say because you don't have Twitter and Snapchat and all these other ones. The other thing is um, they're considering ages 13 to 79 in this study as being the, the main group of people who are going to be on social media. Of course, it can be a little younger, a little older, but again, these are averages. These are generalizations. So here's what they came up with, and these are going to come up on the screen for you that we spend on YouTube 40 minutes per day. 40 minutes per day checking out grumpy cat videos or whatever it is that you like to watch on YouTube. Facebook, we spend 35 minutes per day. Snapchat, 25 minutes per day. Instagram, 15 minutes per day. And Twitter, one minute per day. That doesn't sound too bad, does it? Doesn't sound all that bad. I mean, we're talking minutes more than we're talking hours. But what does that look like if we break it down a little further and we look at it over our lifetime? Well, if we look at it that way, on YouTube, if we spend 40 minutes a day on YouTube, we spend one year and 10 months of our life looking at videos on YouTube. Facebook, we spend one year and seven months of our life. Snapchat, one year and two months. Instagram, eight months. And Twitter, 18 days. That's starting to sting a little more, isn't it? Because now we're talking about years of time in our life spent on social media. 
that gets a little more painful. But we can take that even one step further and look at what this means over our entire lifetime. So if we use those stats that we've already read and, uh, and we add those up, we find that we spend a total of five years and four months of our life on social media. Now, obviously, social media didn't exist in Jesus' day. But how would five-plus years right off the top of Jesus' time on earth had affected his ministry? Well, it would have had a huge impact on his ministry. It would have been very difficult for Jesus to be as effective as he was in three short years of ministry if he had been distracted by social media or anything else for that matter. So up to this point, what we've discovered is that we spend a lot of time online. But Jesus, to start his ministry, and really throughout his ministry, was very intentional about his time. So let's keep reading in Mark chapter 1. We're going to continue in verse 29. Mark 1, verse 29. And it says, And immediately, there's that word again, immediately, he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Verse 35, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. So, so far in this day, in the life of Jesus, he spent time teaching in the, in the synagogue and he healed a man with unclean spirits. After he left the synagogue, he went to Simon and Andrew's house, where he went on to heal Simon's mother-in-law. Then after that, late into the night, there are people gathered at the same house for Jesus to heal them. So all in all, this was a pretty long day for Jesus, but it was a very productive day. So answer this for me. Where would he have found a couple hours or a few hours in his day to hop on social media? Now, I know it's a little trivial to read social media into Jesus' ministry, but I think you get what I'm saying. How many people would have been healed or would not have been healed or would not have had time with Jesus if he spent several hours of his day doing something else? But here's the thing. We also see that Jesus isn't satisfied with that one productive day. I think sometimes in our lives, we have a really busy, productive day, so that next day we're kind of like, whoa, okay, it's time to take a little break. Yesterday was a little bit crazy. We got a lot done. We're going to take it a little easier today. But that's not what Jesus did, although he was probably up pretty late that evening. Verse 35 tells us that he rises very early in the morning while it was still dark so he could pray. Now, I know some people enjoy getting up early in the morning and you enjoy having a big breakfast and maybe accomplishing a few things before you even really get your day started, before you go off to work or whatever it is. Here's the thing. I'm not one of those people. Um, I don't enjoy waking up early. I'm one of those people that I like to sleep until the last possible minute so that I can make it to where I need to be on time. 
I'm not a morning person. I don't like waking up early. I'm not really grouchy in the morning or anything. I just enjoy sleeping in. But here Jesus is after a long previous day of ministry and most likely a pretty late night. And he's up and awake before everyone else to make sure that he has that one-on-one time with the father. He knew that time and prayer was going to be important for whatever may come his way that day. He knew that in order to lead his disciples well, he needed that time in prayer. He knew that in order to stay on track with his mission on earth, that time in prayer was more important than another hour of sleep. I don't think there's any question in our minds how effective Jesus was in his ministry. The things that he was able to accomplish, the miracles that he performed, the people that he healed, all of the teaching that he did, leading and training his disciples. He used the time that he was given to the best of his ability, and he didn't waste a moment of it. He was intentional every single day. Man, do I miss the mark in that area. And I'm sure if we were all honest with ourselves, we would all see some of that in our own lives as well. There are times when we have to make tough decisions about what is using up our time. Now, I want to go back to the statistics that we looked at earlier because there's something else that I want us to see. And what we're going to do first is we're going to compare social media usage to other items that take up time in our life. Now, these numbers, again, are going to be an average, and they're from the same study that we referenced earlier. And these numbers are going to represent time spent over our entire lifetime. And the first thing we're going to look up is TV. I think TV is one of those things that could probably be lumped in with social media. One of those things that can eat up just a ton of our time and really can be unproductive time. But the study says that we spend seven years and eight months of our lives watching TV. We already determined that with social media, we spend five years and four months of our lives. But how about some things that maybe we can look at as a little bit more worthwhile? Eating. Yes, I consider eating very worthwhile. I love eating. Food is good. Three years and five months. I'd be good if that was doubled. Uh, Grooming. One year and ten months. Bathing, taking care of ourselves. We'll leave it at that. Socializing. One year and three months. Now notice this is separate from social media. This is actual face-to-face, building relationships, and having a real conversation. Seems pretty low compared to TV and social media, doesn't it? Laundry, thank goodness, is only six months of our lives. So that gives us a picture of the time that social media is eating up in our lives. So here's a good question that we can ask ourselves. What could we do with the time that we spend on social media? What could we actually accomplish in our lives with those five years and four months that we spend on social media? Well, thankfully, the study answered that for us as well. And so in five years and four months, here are some things that you could accomplish in your life. You could fly to the moon and back 32 times. Why? I don't know, but it's pretty cool. Uh, Walk the Great Wall of China three and a half times. I'd like to see it, but I don't think I'd want to walk it three and a half times. Uh, I don't condone or suggest this show, but this is what the study used. Watch the Simpsons series 215 times. Now, the Simpsons was on for like 20 years, so that's a lot of watching TV. Climb Mount Everest 32 times. That's pretty cool. You can run more than 10,000 marathons. And I'm sure as soon as I said that, someone is thinking, well, what are we talking? 5Ks, half marathons, full marathons? Does it matter? 10,000 marathons in your life. That's a lot. You could walk your dog 93,000 times. So as you, as you can see, the time that we spend online and on social media, it's significant. 
And I don't know that watching the, the Simpsons series 215 times is really any more productive, but the point is clear. We can certainly adjust the amount of time that we are spending on whatever your app of choice is and spend more time doing positive things. There's another report that I read that CNN published that was done by the Nielsen Company, which revealed that adults in the United States devote 10 hours and 39 minutes each day to consuming media. That's not just social media, that's all media. Uh, so computers, our phones, video games, radios, DVDs, DVRs, TVs, all those sorts of things. And there's a lot of information in the report, but here's what it concluded. There are 168 hours in a week. We all start with 168 hours. If you work full-time, at least 40 hours are devoted to work. If we sleep 7 hours per night, that's 49 hours per week. If we assume that personal care, such as eating and bathing, dressing and preparing food, is about 3 hours a day, that's 21 hours a week. So if we add all those up, subtract them from 168 hours that we start with, that leaves us 58 hours per week for other things. So this would include things like hobbies and sports and spending time with our children and friends and family, reading, learning, exercise, participating at church, volunteering, maintaining our homes, those sorts of things. But as the report said, our total media intake is about 50 hours per week. So if we subtract that from the 58 hours that we're left with, that doesn't leave us much time for anything else, does it? It doesn't leave us much time with our families. It doesn't leave us much time for building relationships. It doesn't leave us a whole lot of time for attending church or serving somewhere in the church. It doesn't leave us much time at all for time in God's word and prayer and personal worship. And we need to be honest with ourselves. We need to take a look at how we are spending our time and ask ourselves if what we are doing is the best use of our time. We need to be willing to give up things that may or may not bring temporary fulfillment for things that will have a more lasting impact on our lives, on our families' lives, and on the lives of others around us. And maybe for you, maybe these numbers are way too high. Maybe they are just... Way too much. You don't spend that much on social media, and that's good, and I'm really happy about that. But for others, maybe they are a little more true. But I'm sure we all have something. If it's not social media or TV, we have something that's taking up our time. That may, It may not seem like a bad thing, but anything in excess can take away from our ability to build relationships. In his book, The Tyranny of Time, Robert Banks said this, Consequently, our encounters with others are becoming more and more limited and instrumental. We associate rather than interrelate, hold ourselves back rather than open ourselves up, pass on or steal by one another rather than pause and linger a while. The number of our close friends drops and the quality of our married life diminishes. Developing relationships is time-consuming. And it can't happen with a click of a button. It can't happen by hitting the like or follow button on Facebook or Twitter. It takes a lot of time and effort. And for a lot of us, that's time and effort that we just don't have because we've misplaced it in things that we think determine our identity. Culture says that that we need the most friends on Facebook or the most followers on Twitter. But Jesus wants us to love our neighbors and build real, lasting relationships. He wants us to spend time with people just like he did in the passage that we read from Mark chapter 1 this morning. 
See, being good stewards of time isn't just about learning how to manage our time better. And if there's anything that you take away this morning, if there's anything that you walk away with, I hope it's this next sentence. Being a good steward of time is about remembering who you are in Jesus Christ. Being a good steward of time is about remembering who you are in Jesus Christ. We don't find our identity on a screen, in our profile, or in the comments on our Facebook post. Our identity is found and bought through the blood of Jesus on the cross. It isn't about taking time management classes and being the most organized person in the world. Those things are good and can be helpful, but being a good steward of our time is all about remembering why we are here. If we remember why we exist to worship God, if we remember what our mission is to spread the gospel, and we let that drive what we spend our time doing, we will be good stewards of our time because we will spend our time doing things that please God and bring him glory. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. If our social media time or our time online isn't bringing God glory, then it's time to cut back. And we're not even talking about the content that we take in or the content that we look at. We're going to talk about that next week. I'm talking specifically about the time we commit to being online and to being on social media. If it doesn't bring glory to God, it's time to make a change. It's time to refocus some of that time to carrying out his will for our lives. It's time to remember who we are in Jesus and be laser focused on his vision for our lives, just like Jesus was laser focused on his mission. Life is short. Time flies by faster and faster. We don't have a lot of time to waste, and tomorrow is never, it's never guaranteed. And so what we spend our time doing matters. It's important. The decision we make in our lives matter. They're very important. As we read from verse 15 of Mark chapter 1 earlier, Jesus said, The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And if we have made that decision in our life to repent, to confess our sins, to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, then we have a responsibility. And we have a responsibility to manage our time well. And if, if there's one thing that you could do with your time today, if you haven't made that decision to give your life to Jesus, if there's one thing that you could do with your time today, maybe making that, t- that decision would be the best thing that you could do with your time. Once and for all, ask him into your life to forgive your sins and to give you a brand new life in him. And if that's a decision that you want to make today, there's a few ways that you can make that happen. Uh, You can take your tear-off card at the bottom of the bulletin and fill that out and uh, throw that in the offering plate here in just a few minutes when we have our time of offering. You can also go back to our Get Connected area, our connection point, and there's some people there who would love to talk to you and answer some questions and get you headed in the right direction. I'm going to stick around down front after the service for a few minutes. I would love to talk to you how you could take your next steps towards Jesus. But we need to learn from the example of Jesus. He was intentional with his time. And we need to be the same way with our time. Because we don't have a lot of it. And so we need to be focused on the mission and the vision that he has for our lives. Let's pray together.